promise to bring you through. And I've just got a feeling that when the dust settles, you're going to find out that everything the enemy meant for your evil, God has turned it for your good. How many of you believe we serve a good God?
I'll remember it. God is good. Now you can hear me maybe a little bit better. Okay. Uh, if you missed Sunday school this morning, you missed a treat. Because we talked about prayer. And, you know, I asked everybody in my Sunday school class, I said, well, you know, how do you feel about praying? And I got various answers you'd expect from a group of people. Uh, so if I were to call on you to pray, you know, it should be like, the Lord's been good to me. I mean, I'm glad to go in his presence any time there is. Uh, there's some people that are still a little bashful. But you know what? The Lord loves you, and he don't care. You're not praying for everybody that's out here looking at you. You're praying to the Lord. So I told him, you know, don't be bashful. You'll you'll get over it. But the Lord is good, and he'll he'll work it out. So Psalms 96 says it's a call to praise God. And that follows on with today's Sunday school lesson. It's a call to praise God, to lift him up and thank him. So sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth, the world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. I love the sea, I tell you what. Let the field be joyful in all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. For he is cometh. For he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Praise ye the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer where we can thank him and praise him. And then ask him what we would like him to do for us. Remember, he provides our needs. I tell my Sunday school class all the time, you know, I'd love to have a Lamborghini. I ain't praying for it. The Lord's going to go like, you don't need an Lamborghini. You just need transportation. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank him this morning for what he has done for us. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, we lift you up and praise you. Give you thanks for what you have provided for us, Lord. Because you have provided for our needs, Lord, not for our wants. Lord, we thank you for continuing to abide with us and giving us good health. Working out situations, Lord, for families. Touching those who are in the hospital and they're sick. Lord, for being with them and keeping them and lifting them up and strengthening them, we thank you. Lord, this morning I ask that you will be with us as we sing and make a joyful noise unto you. That you will be with the minister as he delivers the word that you would have us to hear. That we can take these words forward and expand your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to do everything that you would have us to do. For we ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing for worship this morning. I wonder how many of you today remember the day the Lord saved you. And he found you and he cleaned you up and he made sure you were ready to go to heaven. And, uh, you know, but the one thing I love, we were talking about it in, in the uh, kids' Sunday school class today about the Holy Spirit praying for us. And, and uh, one of the things we were talking about is that when you ask Jesus to forgive you, uh, he takes care of it right then. There is no, you know, 
Romans 8 says, there's no more condemnation than to know Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes Amen. men forget. They have a hard time forgetting what you've done. A lot of times men will come back and be like, well, do you remember when you said? Do you remember when you did? A lot of times men never forget. But the Bible says that when God, when we say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. God says he cast them as far as the sin is the east is from the west, which means they're gone. Sins are gone. Everything's gone. And so this morning, we're going to sing about that today, that everything we've ever done, everything that's happened, once we gave it over to Jesus, it's gone. Gone at last. And so let's worship together this morning. Well, gone at last. Oh, gone at last. You know my sins are gone at last. Well, I've had a long streak of the bed, bed times. My sins are gone at last. Well, gone at Oh, you know my sins are gone 
Lord, we thank you, Lord. We praise your name today. Hallelujah.
make his face shine upon you be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you Are you thankful for the favor of the Lord? 
You know, that word amen, most of the songs we sang today had the word amen or amen, however you pronounce it. The song before this, we sang, Behold Jehovah seated on the throne, amen, amen. We sang this song, amen, amen. The word amen literally just means so be it. So be it, like a conclusion, so be it. You know, I love that when we end up praying, we pray, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or in the name of Jesus, we pray, we always say amen, so be it. Whatever I said, Lord, so be it. I wonder if we actually believed that, how much difference that would make. I wonder if when we prayed, when we prayed, when we really said amen, so be it, that we really meant that. Like, Lord, you heard my request, and so be it. Lord, I am stressed today, and I need your help. Amen, so be it. Lord, I know that I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what my family's going to do next. I don't know what's going to happen to my children. I don't know what's going to happen to my grandchildren. Don't know what's going to happen in my marriage. Don't know what's going to happen on the job. I don't know what's going to happen in the craziness of the world. But Lord, we need you. Amen. So be it. Lord, I, I wish you'd just come down in this house and you'd worship with your brother Randy prayed it this morning. I'm sure you have prayed it in your prayer time this week. Lord, let us have a wonderful service on Sunday. Lord, be with those that are going to be here, whoever it's going to be here, whoever's sitting on the pews. God, I pray you'd touch them and you'd bless them and you'd let them come and experience it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So be it, Lord. Lord, whoever comes today, no matter what they're facing today, Lord, I pray you touch them. So be it. Amen. So be it. So be it. See, uh, I want to talk to you just for a second about, before we segue in a minute, about what prayer does. Last week, I shared with you about a situation that happened with Brother Jimmy Villanueva. Brother Jimmy fell out about 15 to 20 feet out of a deer stand trying to take it down off of a tree. He's in his 70s. Fell down. The deer stand came on top of him. He already had some issues with his shoulder, but long story short, had a little bit of bleeding on the brain. Uh, had some fractures in some various places in his vertebrae and near the ribs, rib cage area. Around the spine, his back's really messed, uh, bothering him, messed up. I went and saw him on, I guess it was Tuesday, uh, that he was in the hospital. It happened Monday night or whatever, or Tuesday. I went to the hospital, or Wednesday, one of those days. Uh, they tell you he's got bleeding, bleeding on the brain. When, when, when you call and tell the pastor, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital, they got bleeding on the brain, that, that normally doesn't sound like a really good report. I walk into the room. He said, Pastor, you didn't have to come. I said, no, I had to check on you. He was alert, cognitive. I'm a little sore. Got released to go home. He called me this morning. He said, Pastor, I'm actually up and moving. I was going to come to church today, but Phyllis doesn't think it's a good idea, but I was going to come. <laughs> he was like, but she said, I might should just take one more week off. Just make sure I'm okay. Don't try to overexert. She, he said, but if she had not been here, I'd have been there. <laughs> so thank God for all you godly wives out there that speak sense into your husbands. But bleeding on the brain on Tuesday, fractured parts of the back and ribs. You know, he said to me in the hospital, he said, Pastor, I just don't understand some things. And I said, oh, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Jimmy, what don't you understand? He said, well, can I tell you the truth and you not get upset? I said, sure, I'm, I'm all about people being honest. As long as it ain't about me, I'm fine. And, uh, you know, and uh, he said, I just don't understand. He said, 
As long as I still have breath in my body and I have any mobility at all, I go to church. See, I understand somebody's, you know, somebody's got an ingrown toenail. They can't come to church because they just said it's just too difficult. He said, or somebody wakes up that morning. He said, I'm not talking about people who got, like, sick, you know, sinus or whatever, really sick. But I'm talking about somebody walk up this morning and their nose just twinkled a little bit when they got up, just kind of had that little dust particle flew in their nose and made them sneeze once and like oh gosh i can't go to church i sneezed once today no other symptoms he said i understand he said why is that i said well brother jamie if i had the answer to that i'd be a multi-billionaire i was like if every pastor would come to my conferences to hear me tell them how to fix that problem but i thought about that as i was i was coming back to the office and i was preparing for this week i thought about it. you know there are so many things and we say it all the time around here that we we are to be thankful for and how god does things Brother Jimmy, for an example, and other things. But every one of us, even if you say your blessing for your food, you always end with amen. Always. God, thank you for this food. Bless the hands that are prepared it. Make it nourishment to our bodies, our bodies for our service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So be it. What if when we prayed, we actually believed, so be it, God? What if we had the so be it faith? We just, you know, sometimes I think we pray and we say amen, but what we don't realize is we've already defeated ourselves because by the time we said so be it, we already don't believe it's going to happen anymore. Hello? Amen. Versus being like, you know what, God? I fell out of a deer stand. I got a contusion on the on the brain in a sense, a little bit of bleeding. Uh, I, I got a fractured, you know, ribs and some other things. Uh, you know, but God, you've been good to me. And as long as I got breath in my body, Lord, I'm going to keep praising you. Amen. So be it. I'm not dead, so so be it. I'm going to keep praising Jesus. So be it. We're blessed. Blessed. Now, I know we got a lot of people out today for traveling and things like that, but you're here. We're blessed. I was telling Sunday school class this morning, none of you may can relate to this, but but Friday night I was out shopping. I'll be on vacation next week, and we'll have a guest speaker here next Sunday morning. Retired pastor Marcus Tanner will be here with us next week, and he'll do a fantastic job. I have full confidence in him. Uh, as I'll be in South Dakota, but I will be streaming y'all live from South Dakota, so y'all behave, because I'll be watching, you know. Just because the cat's away doesn't mean the mouse can play, you know. I'm watching. That's why we have cameras. I'm spying on y'all. Just kidding. But I was out in Charleston. I'd been to Charleston, downtown Charleston. I'd been to Northwoods, Northwoods Mall area, all that place. Went to Target. It's been about three or four. I spent about three or four hours time has elapsed. I get ready to go across the street to Walmart. And I reach in my pocket, and my wallet's not there. It has my driver's license, has all my cards, has everything in it. I drive back to Target parking lot. Thank God for a photographic memory. I look everywhere, no wallet. I drive back to Shoe Carnival in Northwoods Mall area, no wallet in the parking spots. I ask the people in the stores, nobody's turned one in. I go all the way to downtown Charleston where I was at, nobody's seen a wallet. Come back to Target in Somerville. By this time, it's 10 o'clock at night. Nobody's seen a wallet. Brianna was with me, and I was getting all worried. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. And I said, give me your hand. She said, what do you mean? I said, just give me your hand. She looked at me like I was nuts, which most of the time I am, but that's not the point. And I just started praying in the car, sitting in Target, bawling. Somebody probably thought I had just found out my mom had died or something. I looked like a blubbering buffoon in the car, but I'm like, God... This was not malicious. This wasn't irresponsibility. I don't know what happened to my wallet. Legitimately, I don't know what happened to my wallet. 
God, I'm supposed to go out of town. I've got to have driver's license. i got to have cars. i got to have all this stuff. I don't, what am I going to do? I prayed. I told Brianna, I said, you're going to have to drive. Obviously, I don't have a wallet. I said, just take me home. Take me back to your house so I can get my car and go home before it gets any later. And, and yeah, I'll have to figure out tomorrow, which would have been Saturday, what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't say nothing on the whole car ride, 15-minute car ride home from Somerville. Nothing. In my head, I just kept saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We get to our house. I look at my phone. No missed calls. No text messages. No nothing. I was like, I was hoping. I was hoping. Nothing. Pack my book bag up. I'm getting ready to walk out the door. My phone vibrates, and it shows I have a voicemail, but my phone never rang. Anybody ever had a voicemail, and you know the phone never actually rang? Shows you had a voicemail and it never rang. I checked the voicemail. Says, "Hi, this is, you know, I'm not gonna say name, Joe Smith. I'm looking for a pastor, Jonathan Vaughn. I thought it was one of those, you know, people heard me at a district revival call and ask when we're having Sunday night service again. You know, I just thought it was one of those people. Like I hate to call them back at 11 o'clock, 11:30 at night, but you know what? They called. I don't know when they called. Maybe, maybe it's something. So I call Joe Smith, who's that's not his real name, but for anonymity purposes." He said, uh, yes, I'm looking for a pastor, Jonathan Vaughn. I said, uh, this is he. He said, uh, do you do you pastor anywhere local? Like, I, I, I was wondering if you were, you know, had a church here locally. And I said, well, actually, I do. I actually pastor Santee Circle Church of God in Monks Corner, South Carolina. I said, did, did you happen to maybe been to one of our services or been to a revival or something or whatever? He said, no, sir, I've never met you a day in my life. He said, but my daughter was coming home from college, and she had to stop in and pick up something at Target. And she happened to park in a parking spot, and she found this wallet in the parking lot. And she opened it up, and inside of it was a business card that said, Pastor Jonathan Von Santee Circle. I just needed to know if you were the right guy because I didn't want to give your wallet away to somebody. He said, but, uh, but my daughter found your wallet, and uh, it's at the house here if you, whenever you want to meet to come get it. And I said, well, sir, I, I don't mean to be, you know, forthright. I said, but, but – uh, you know, I don't really want to wait till tomorrow. I won't sleep tonight till I see it in my hand. I just that's my brain. Now I'm in Knightsville. For those of you who know are Knightsville, that I mean, I'm in Knightsville. So you know, 15, 20 minutes back to Somerville. And if you go to Somerville, it can be from Goose Creek. I mean, there's so many people that shop Somerville that they could have lived in Dorchester, South Carolina, and been a long. I mean, it could have been away. I said, uh, "Can I come get?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Now I don't know how long it'll take me because I don't know where you live." I said, "But but if you don't mind, I'd like to come get it tonight." He said, "Okay." I'll send you my address. He said, but now, I, I, you said you're still in the Somerville area. I said, yes, sir. He said, now, there's a little, I don't know if you know much about the Somerville area, but there's this little community right outside of Somerville. He says, people, a lot of people don't know where it's at unless they're from around here. It's a little community called Knightsville. You, you ever been familiar with that? I said, yes, sir. I used to live in Knightsville. He said, well, I live in a little subdivision. He said, you may have heard of it if you know about Knightsville called Pine Forest. He said, how far is that away from you? I said, well, according to GPS, you're literally six minutes from my current city. It's where I'm sitting right now. I was, I got to his house, got my wallet, and back within 10-minute time period. Now, you can't tell me, now, of all the things. Now, first and foremost, to find the wallet was a miracle in and of itself. That's a miracle. The second miracle was everything was still in the wallet. Nothing was missing. No card, no driver's license, no cat, nothing. I mean, I, y'all, I, they, there, was, there was actually cash in there, in there, and they didn't take it. There was gift cards in there. You can't even, you, you know, you could have went and made them Cracker Barrel on me. Still in there. I hadn't checked them yet, but I don't think they went and ate and come back and put it back in the wallet. But I, I feel like they're still in there full. 
that's all good too but then when you call and you say you, you find out and they find you and then they say where are you located they're literally five minutes from where I'm sitting when I call now, you don't tell me the steps of a good man and woman are not ordered of God so I can tell you this morning whether you believe the rest of this before we preach this morning or not whether you believe it or not I'm going to go ahead and tell you now when I say amen God proved it to me this week so be it. Whatever I ask God, I'm giving it to you. I'm committing it to you. And when I say amen, I mean it. So be it. God, I'm sick to my stomach. I've lost my wallet. I need your help. So be it. Because when I don't know what to do, he does. So be it. So be it. So be it. Let it be done. So be it. If we would ever get to a point that we had that kind of faith when we said amen, and was so be it, Lord. Whatever it is, so be it. We'd see God do crazy stuff. Now, it may not mean nothing to you. But you wait till you lose your wallet. You'll be praying too. Don't you worry. Some of y'all been praying for car keys. I've been here when y'all been praying for car keys laying in the dashboard of your car. You didn't see. Y'all been praying for car keys, y'all. Sister Sherry knows this. My mama used to lay hands with anointing on pray for washing machines because we couldn't afford a new one, y'all. Y'all think I'm kidding. We had old Maytag. That thing was sputtering and spinning. It looked like the brakes were going out of that thing. It was gyrating like it was full of the Holy Spirit all over the house. And we couldn't put, no matter how many legs we put on that thing, we couldn't. We had bungee cords strapped to it to try to keep it from moving. We couldn't afford one at the time. My mom went in there with some anointing oil. She laid hands on that thing and said, Lord, I can't afford another one right now. You're going to have to heal this washing machine. We still using the same washing machine right now. It's still sitting in Orangeburg. You, it's still used. And it doesn't shake. And it hadn't been serviced since. That was a, that's the best investment we ever made. That was the cheapest repair shop I've ever taken on a washing machine. You can't tell me God doesn't care. Amen. He cares. He cares. Father, as we get ready to break the bread of life today, pray that you would hear us from heaven and you pour out your spirit upon us today. Father, we love you. We praise you. I pray that, this, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and ears to hear from your word today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church together said... Amen, amen. You may be seated. Those that need to be dismissed at this time, you may do so. Uh, to my right, or my left, your right. I don't even know what, what side I'm on anymore. You guys go to number two for me there, Miss Sandy. If you don't mind on that video board, praise the Lord. Those watching online, God bless you this morning. Thank you for joining. Can we give a Santee Circle a hand of welcome to all our online streamers today? We are so glad they are with us today in the house of the Lord. All right, I'm going to preach fast. If you listen fast, we may pick up part two in a couple weeks when I come back uh, from uh, vacation. Don't forget, next Sunday I will be out of town. Uh, the band and everything is already prepared for that. Pastor Marcus Tanner, former pastor of Bamberg Church of God, former associate pastor at Oakley Road Church of God 40-something years ago. I don't know how long, 30 years ago, some crazy amount of time. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a long time. And, uh, uh, and served for probably a good... 20 plus years in the Pennsylvania area pastoring up there uh, is retired he's moved back to Georgetown he will be preaching next Sunday morning uh, so you don't want to miss it he will be a treat and a delight to have and uh, if you if 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 y'all have more than 54 people next Sunday morning because that's the most we've had since I've been here I'm going on strike because that just means y'all don't like me anymore I know what that means so I'm just kidding I hope that it's a wonderful service and uh <laughs> Look, y'all have 70 people. I'm bringing him on staff. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> He'll be preaching every Sunday. We'll, we'll make something happen. But uh, but anyway, so we're so excited to have him and his wife joining us next week. He and Sister Tanner will be with us, and it'll be a wonderful day in the Lord. 
If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 22. And when you have it, I'm going to ask if you would ever so politely stand for the reading of God's Word as we honor the, the Word of the Lord today. Luke chapter 17. Now this is Jesus talking. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. What he's saying is, There will come a day that you wish that I was still with you. But you won't see me. Then they will say to you, See, it's here. Or see, he's there. But don't you follow them. And go after them. What he's saying is there's going to be people going to be coming around telling you, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's Jesus. You better be careful who you listen. He said because the Apostle Paul told us there will come a day that people will be endurers not of sound doctrine but with itching ears. They'll turn away to fables and other things. He said you better just not chase every fire truck that comes in town, y'all. Y'all got quiet on me. Let me tell it one more time so you can hear what the preacher just said. You can't just always chase every fire truck that comes in town because everyone that walks into town with the latest and greatest program and the latest and greatest things and they're coming riding on their proverbial white horse getting ready to reach the communities for Jesus Christ. You better be careful because there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are, there are false prophets among us. Hello? You can't follow everything. He said, you'll wish one day that you could see the Son of Man, but I won't be there. For us, the lightning flashes, but that lighteth Lighteneth out one part of the heaven, shineth unto the other part of the heaven. It just quickly flashes and it vanishes. So shall be the Son of Man in his day. He'll be here. Boom. Gone. The rapture. Boom. Gone. The Bible says when we get called up, even though rapture is never in the Bible, it's a word called away or called up. The Bible tells us that when we get called up, it will be as fast as the blink or the twinkling of an eye. Anybody ever we blink? You. Boom, how fast that is. You're, could you imagine as soon as you blink, the next time you open it up, we weren't here? Gone. That's how fast this thing goes. He said, but before all that happens, you first got to suffer some things and be rejected of this generation. Can I tell you, you can't lay hold to what God has for you till you first understand how to walk through difficult seasons. He said, you'll be rejected. He never said following Jesus was going to win you a lot of friends. He actually said following Jesus may cost you some things. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Anybody know people are still going out to eat, drinking, getting married, doing their thing? We're in the days of Noah, y'all. That stuff's still happening all around us. Likewise, as in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. For in the same day that Lot went out to Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone in heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. Anybody seen people just going about their new routine? COVID's pretty much, in essence, over. People's got their shots. People are trying to get back in their way of life. That's great. But you notice some of them same people, they've allowed COVID to be the excuse why they couldn't come to church during the pandemic. Come on, somebody. You know where I'm about to go, so you might as well not act like we're a nominal church and never been Pentecostal before. We do still have the cross and the flame outside, don't we? 
Uh, last time I checked, even when you put your tithing envelopes in today, it had the, the cross and the flame on it. So, so you should know where we are today. But now that all that's over, in essence, and you can get shots or whatever else, they can go to Cracker Barrel. They can go to Walmart. They can go to Target. They can go out on vacation. Get on a cruise ship. Go out of town and eat at restaurants jam-packed with people they ain't never met a day in their life. Don't even know what kind of deodorant those people buy. But they can't come to church because that's a little too dangerous. Come on, y'all. That's an excuse. <laughs> and in that day which he shall be upon the housetop and suffer in the house, let him not come down and take it away, he that is in the field. And let him likewise not return back. The most interesting verse in Scripture. Remember Lot's wife. That's it. Anybody that's ever studied, studied grammar, a period means sentence completed, thought over, time to start a new sentence. Anybody know the shortest verse in the Bible? John 11, 35, anybody know what it is? You want to know what the second shortest verse in the Bible is? That one. You know why it's the second shortest? Because it's only got one extra word. <laughs> Don't overlook. You know, you know how powerful this, the, the, the uh, passage Jesus wept is? It shows us Jesus was in tune. He understands feelings, emotions. It lets us know Jesus is a relational God. That's a powerful verse. And as we see here in just a minute, uh, this is a powerful verse. You don't overread. Well, they're given in marriage. Everything's great. No, you better remember Lot's wife. He didn't say remember Lot. He didn't say remember what Noah did building the ark. He didn't say remember what Lot did getting out of Sodom. He didn't say remember what Abraham did praying for Sodom prior to. He said remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life lose it but whoever will lose their life spiritually speaking whoever will lay down their life for the cause of Christ forsaking all of the other things and serve Jesus they'll keep it they'll preserve it but here's Lot's wife she couldn't let things go she looked back from behind them and she became a pillar Father, I pray you add the blessing to the reading of this word today. Help me to preach your word under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and speak in a way that would bring you glory and honor. Lord, I pray today that somebody's hearts and lives will be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I will forever praise you and give you the glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We'll pick up part two in a couple weeks, but I want to start a series or start with you today a sermon entitled, Are You a Little Salty? Are you a little salty? Here's what I've learned a long time ago. And Sister Sandy, if you don't mind, if you'll take the uh, the uh, microphone in, uh, on the stage monitor there, if, you, if you'll see a button that says stage monitor down a little bit on me. You know, I have learned a long time ago that you cannot fully appreciate something until it costs you something. I didn't know how much I valued my wallet. You know, normally I have it with me all the time. It's just an old habit. It's in my back pocket. I take it with me. I go and I do. I never realized how much I really missed my wallet until 
Until I face a difficult situation, it's not there. You see, sometimes we don't understand. Lord, help me today as I preach this message. But sometimes we don't understand how important or how blessed we really are until we lost it. You know, some people I don't think realize how much they need the Holy Spirit until they fall away from grace and realize that they miss the relationship they once had with the Lord. We just expect God's going to answer our request. We just expect God's going to hear from heaven and pour out His, His blessings upon us. We have these expectations of God. But oftentimes we really can't appreciate what God does till all of a sudden He's not doing it much anymore. Then it makes us have to learn how appreciative we really should have been. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, my parents were always about teaching moments. I still struggle with those, even at 33. But they had teaching moments. And I remember one time I was getting a little agitated with my mom and my dad. My dad and I, you know, we butted heads a little bit because we were a lot of personality. My dad was a softie. You could almost talk him down, and he'd go ahead and give you back what he took from you, and it was good. You know, it was like going to the enemy's camp, taking back what he stole from you. I just asked him. He gave it back. It was kind of one of those things. And, uh, you know, I'd start putting the guilt trip. Jesus forgives me. Why can't you? Here's the key. Just go on. Just, just go on. My mom, my mom said, yes, but God is also a judge. And she slammed the hammer down. And uh, my dad was grace and mercy, but then it walked, my mom walked in. Grace and mercy left the room, and the judge walked in. And uh, it changed immediately on impact. But I remember one time I thought I had arrived. I had a sign one time. And it said, teenagers, get out and move out while you still know everything. While you still know everything. And I remember that one time I was telling my mother, for those of you who know my mother, you'll before I even finish this story, will realize the mistake that I have already made in this statement. But I told my mother that, um, you know, got a little, uh, little dissertation, and I decided that I thought the best response to the dissertation was to uh, tell her how... Uh, how, uh, you know, important I was and how I didn't really need her help and I could do it on my own and um, how lucky they were to have me. And uh, to which my mother, as only she can do, said, uh, let me see, let me have your car keys. You ain't taking my car keys. No, let me see your car keys. She put out a piece of paper. She said, Who, whose name's on the title? Louis Keith and Melody M. Vaughn. Where's your name? Not on there. Well, you don't own that car, so I want my car back. Or, I'll, or I will call the law for you stole it. So give me my keys. Oh, uh, excuse me. Um, Well, Mom, i got to have a way to go to school. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, this is before Uber and Lyft and all that stuff. <laughs> Uber was Mom. That was Uber drivers. And, uh... And mom said, uh, no, your dad and I can take you. Oh, God, no, mom. I'm like a senior in high school. You ain't got to take me to school now. Come on now. You know. She took me to the firebox, to a piece of paper, and she said, I want you to read the, uh, the deed and the title of this house. Whose name is on the title of this house? Louis K. and Melody M. Vaughn. Where's your name? I'm not. Oh, so you can start paying rent because you actually don't have a house. You're staying here uh, for, for free. We're just housing you like a foster child. But since now you have arrived uh, you, and you have a job at Chick-fil-A, you can start paying rent because obviously you don't own nothing. 
I never asked that question ever again, in case y'all want to know. I never, at that point forward, I was like, Mom, even when I bought my house now, I was like, Mom, you want to be on the title? Because I don't own this house. I still have flashbacks. I just, I can't. I can't get rid of it. And she's like, well, Mom, you want to be on the house too? But you know what I was being? I was being a little salty with my mother. I was, you know, we, we coined that phrase, teenagers pick up on it a lot, that that saltiness. I was, I was being coarse. I was being, I was irritating it. I was, I was, I was being salty. I was being that kind of way. But I've learned a long time ago that we never appreciate things till we realize how much we really, that really didn't belong to us or we lost what we have. For an example, how many mothers do I have in here? You have children of some sort. Let me give you a picture today. Man, I'll give you a break for a few minutes. I won't throw you under the bus, but I'll give you a break for just a minute. Woman gets pregnant. It's exciting at first. Woo, gender reveal. Let's go shoot the balloon or go whatever we're going to do. Take a baseball and break it or go, I don't know. All, they do all these new gender reveal stuff. I don't know how they do it now and all kinds of craziness and stuff. Is it blue? Is it pink? You know, whatever. They have all these gender reveal stuff. It's exciting. Till about, oh, I don't know, a couple weeks into it, your body starts deciding that it wants to change some things around. You start feeling a little funny. You start retaining fluid. You start swelling. You look like the Michelin tire man. Somebody's inflated you and forgot to pull the release valve inside of you. Your ankles are now cankles. You know what those are? Those are bigger ankles. That's what cankles are. They're swollen ankles. You don't even know you have an ankle anymore. It's just one large lump. It's right there. You start feeling sick. You're miserable. You're t- you know, I, I've often thought about, talked about it, and I've heard people talk about it. Poor old, the poor old men in the situation, man. They, they lay down at night. Woman can never get comfortable. She's tossing. She's turning. I mean, she's like digging holes in the bed. She's turning over so many times. She's trying to fall, slap through the mattress, try to get comfortable, moving so much in there. Starts getting weird cravings. I mean, peanut butter and pickles and ice cream and anchovies. I mean, weird stuff. Stuff that just makes you want to throw up just talking about it. Eating all kinds of stuff. Have tastes for things they didn't even like before and want it now. Or or get sick smelling things they love because they got... Now, I'm going to give women the benefit of the doubt. You do have a human growing inside of you, so that is a little bit different. I mean, that is kind of freaky that something started out so small, but like you're you're like metamorphosing some kind of like super mutant agent inside of you and and all that's great but you know what i always love men this is where all of you i know this is not father's day but this is where all the men should amen the preacher because i am your best friend right now and i need you to keep my job when this is over but here's what i learned when the rubber meets the road and they get to the point that it's getting closer to the due date or the delivery date Men, sometimes they get a little ornery. They get a little hard to deal with. They get a little salty. (laughs) They get a little, you know, uh, frustrated easier. I'm not going to say they're moody. They just have different personalities sometimes. You married to two or three or four or five women versus one. You didn't have to be like Solomon and have 700 wives and 300 concubines. You have one with all personalities. You just have them all. And one day she will look at you if you live long enough and 
she, you will catch her at the wrong moment, and she will point her finger and go, and it's your fault. Like she had nothing to do with this process. It's all your fault. She's miserable. She's huge. She's swollen. She's retaining food. Because you did it. It's your fault. Now, gentlemen and ladies, the only reason she is salty is because she's getting close to the due date. But some people hold on a little bit too long. Because anybody ever been past your due date? Anybody ever went past the due date? Oh, you're like, if this baby don't come out. They tell you to do all kinds of things. They tell you to do crazy stuff. Walk around. Jump up and down. Drink whatever that oil stuff. You know, drink castor oil, whatever. Motor oil, whatever they tell you to drink. Something. I don't know. Epicat, whatever it is. Drink it all. Uh, tell you to walk around the block. Jump up and down. Do aerobics. Do yoga. Eat crazy stuff. Go eat Mexican. All kinds of crazy junk to get that thing to, to release. To pull the release valve and he'll decide to come. But you know what? If a mom fails to go into labor, they'll eventually uh, have to do a C-section. Or something to get the baby out. We're gonna, I'm going to be preaching a series on, 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 on a little bit about this, this, this idea of, of delivering what God has for you in your life. But the reality of it is, I want to set it up this sermon by, by giving this analogy because what happens is, if the mom never delivers, not only does the baby eventually become into danger zone, could die, and become sepsis, it also could kill the mother in the process because she's holding on to something too long. See, there comes a point in our lives we have to know when to let go. Because if we hold on too long, it will not only kill us, but it will kill other people that are affected by us. Because some of us, you see, now remember what I told you about getting, <laughs> Lord help me today. I know this, this is going to be hard, but, but I promise I'm, I'm going to do this fast because I want to go eat lunch and I want to still have a job. And I'm going on vacation, so this is the perfect time to preach this sermon and run to the other side of the United States. Because uh, unless you're going to get a flight to South Dakota, I'll be gone. And, uh, and, uh, and I'll just be staring at you on camera. But they tell you, go eat, go stand up, do jumping jacks, do all this walk, move, things like that. To get you to produce the baby or to have the baby come. Some people been in church so long. They are well past their due date in delivering what God's supposed to have for their lives. They've been holding on way too long. And they are now becoming toxic because the baby inside of them that God had for them is beginning to die and decay. It's now making them die and decay and rot inside. That's why Jesus said that, you know, you can wash up everything you want to, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. And you can wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is dirty. There are some people going to church, they are 30 years past due delivering their baby. They got baby, spiritual babies inside of them that are on walkers and got beards, and they still haven't produced them out yet. Because they... Won't let it go. Well, 30 years ago, sister so-and-so said something to me at church. They won't let it go. They're toxic. The toxicity of them is now permeating and perpetrating in, in, inside of the, the rest of the body of Christ. You ever thought about what worship is? Think about it. We ask you to stand. We ask you to raise your hands. We ask you to clap. We're not doing this because we want you to take a spiritual Zumba class. We're trying to help you deliver the baby that God has inside of you. 
your worship, your praise, your adoration. We're trying to help you get into an atmosphere so that God can open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and make life come out, out of rivers of living water flow inside you. We're trying to be spiritual doctors, if you will, and open up the opportunity for God to pour something inside of you, to deliver something that is way past due. But you ever been to a church where people are... You know what I love about... <laughs> well, I don't love about it, but, but, but what I've learned... You know what I learned about pregnant women? Huh. They're miserable because they're carrying around extra weight. They come waddling in. And a woman, when she gets to that end of that time and she sits down on a chair, sitting down is not the problem. Y'all should already know where I'm about to go with this. The Holy Ghost should already told some of y'all where this is headed. Some of y'all should have the spirit of discernment right now. The sitting down is not the problem. It's the getting up. <laughs> That's the problem. There have been too many people come waddling in, carrying all the bags. The Bible says lay aside every weight and snare or tangle that so easily entangles you so that you can run the race. Women are miserable because they're carrying extra weight. Their back's hurting. Everything's hurting. They're miserable. There's a lot of people comes to church, waddling on into church, carrying weights they should have never been carrying this long, but still nursing wounds and still dealing with things. They're just carrying the weight that should have been gone a long time. They should have already got rid of that extra weight long time ago, but they still can't. And you know what they do? They come to church on Sunday morning. They wait for the preacher to get up or they wait for the singers and all they do is they get to a point, they find them a little spot, they find them a nice padded pew, they waddle themselves right in the pew, they grab it, they sit and guess what? They say, God, I dare you to get me back up off this pew. Hello, preacher. Well, y'all decided y'all went to a nominal church. Y'all don't want to be Pentecostal today. I see how this is going to go. I dare you to move me, God. Because the sitting down is not the problem. We all can get comfortable sitting down. The getting up is where it gets hard. Let's stand. Let's worship. Let's lift our hands. Let's clap. Let's praise. Oh, preacher, come on. You know, you don't know what kind of week I had. You don't know what I meant. You don't know what I had to do to get to church. I may not, but bless God you were able to get here, so at least enjoy it while you're here because you got here. Come on. You got here. Well, Pastor, I had a flat tire. My car broke down. It took me 30 extra minutes to get to church. Well, bless God, you got here, so forget about that and just have church for a while and enjoy it. Car's still going to be broke when you get outside, so enjoy it while you can. See, we get a little salty. We get a little salty. You know, I love the verse in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 32. And remember Lot's wife. That's it. Remember Lot's wife. See, here's what happened to Lot's wife. Lot's wife had a problem. Lot's wife struggled with some things in her life because Lot's wife See, they went, you got to understand the story of Lot. You see, Lot's dad had died at an 
premature age. His dad was a guy by the name of Haran. He died at a premature age. So father, Terah, takes in Lot and starts raising him. Terah dies. So a guy by the name of Abram feels like it's his responsibility to make sure his nephew is taken care of. That same Abram is the one we eventually will start calling throughout Scripture Abraham and Sarah. Lot travels with Abraham for many years. Many years. But then Abraham's blessed. Lot's blessed. Everybody starts getting blessed. There's not enough room for both of them to live in the same camp anymore. So Abraham gives Lot a choice. He takes him to the plains and he says, look, you can you see all the land before you. You pick which side. You go east, I go west. You go north, I go south. You just pick where you want to go, and I will take whatever else. He gave Lot the choice. The Bible said Lot looked at all the places. He looked at the mountains. He looked at everything. But he noticed a nice fertile piece of ground where the grass was really green in an area called Sodom and Gomorrah. Luscious city. Water. It looked beautiful place. It was luscious. It was the city life. They had the New York skyline. It had the big billboards, the flashing lights. Man, it was the happening place in town. That's where he chose to go. There's a lot of people looking for church, looking for truth. But there's also a lot of people getting, if you will, led astray because they keep going to the place that have the flashing lights. The big marquees. They got all of the New York skyline. They got the big jumbo drives, man. They got the life. They got the city life. They got the production down pat. Man, it's like going to a concert for worship. It's like professional concerts to sing. They got preachers up there that are PhD graduates and they're writing books on how to live your best. They're going to get these motivational talks from the best of the best in town. They're following the greatest smoke, the greatest fog, the greatest life. They're going to the city church. They're going to the professional, the nominal church. They're going to the church where the doctors go and the lawyers go. And they're going to the uptown church. They don't want to go to the country church where country is a corn cob or the sixth grade education. They don't want to go to those churches. No, no, that's beneath them. They, they want to go where people wear Joseph A. Banks suits and, and have a, a $300 Johnson, uh, Johnson & Murphy shoes. And They want to go where people drive Cadillacs and BMWs because that's the happening. That's the, that's the professional. That's the, no, that's the upper echelon church. I'm going where I look good, church. Just because it looks like the grass is greener on the other side, you better be careful. It may be a septic tank that's causing that. Anybody know what a septic tank is full of? Y'all ain't never had a septic tank issue apparently in your life because I'm telling you, if you ever have a septic tank issue, you'll know what it's full of because your house will remind you real quick. It's full of some nasty stuff, y'all. 
sometimes you can go to all those churches, but you better be careful because all that's inside of that is a bunch of people that's got a bunch of you know what inside of them, and they're full of it, and what they're doing is now promoting it in the church. And so before it's said and done, the grass is greener, but you better be careful because there's a lot of mess under there that you don't even know is happening behind the closed doors. There's a lot of mess underneath that septic tank you don't even know. They might have the best lights, the best father, the best smoke. You're like, well, you know, I ain't really seen the Holy Ghost moving in a long time. Well, I do, yeah, well, that church, we don't really do that a lot at our church because, you know, we're, we're doing, you better be careful because what you may not realize, there might be a lot of mess going on underneath that you don't know what's going on. It may not be as green as you think it is. Remember Lot's wife. When I was a kid, I worked youth camp. I'd go to camp, and then when I got older, I worked youth camp. We could come up with the greatest games and stuff for these kids. They'd love it. Man, we'd go out there, obstacle courses, races. Man, we'd have paddle boats, kayaking in the ponds up there at the campground. We'd have all kinds of rope courses, all kinds. I mean, just crazy stuff, you know, all, you know, mattress relays, all kinds of fun stuff. You know, every year when it, it always does, one week of the year, depends on what it is, depends on, but one, one day out of every week of camp, out of nowhere, some torrential storm would come through mess up the whole day's activities. We're trying to scramble around how we're going to cover, what we're going to do, how we're going to keep all these kids entertained. You know, we'd take them inside. We'd have to find indoor games, so we'd play different, you know, relay races and, you know, big different things like that. But the kids would always ask for one game in particular. They wanted to do what we call dorm wars, and they wanted to have competition. And one of the competitions they loved to play was tug of war. Because they wanted to see which dorm was the best, the biggest, the baddest. And it was fun. You'd see them all pulling. You'd have the anchor. They'd wrap around. We'd tell them, be careful, you know, don't let it, you know, cut off your blood circulation, all that stuff. But I learned something, and I, the Lord brought this so peacefully to my spirit this week when I thought about this. And we were, talk, we're still talking about being a little salty. And we're going to talk in more detail about Lot's wife, not next week, but the week after, as I set this message up. But I thought about this. Some people don't know when to let go. What does the scripture say? Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife couldn't let things go. The Bible says the angel took her and Lot and the two daughters out of the city. She got out the city. Anybody ever heard this statement? You can take the boy out of the country. But you can't take the, you can take Lot's wife out of the city, but you couldn't get Sodom and Gomorrah out of her. You might have got her to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. But Sister Beulah, Sodom and Gomorrah already had made a permanent etching on her heart. Sodom and, she couldn't get Sodom and Gomorrah out of her. There are some people, they come to church. But they can't let some things go because they still got some bitterness and resentment and animosity and hurts and pains. Whatever it may be, they've got some things they can't let go of. You can take them out, dress them up, take them out on time. You know what I told somebody one time? I said, you can, t- you can dress up a pig, put lipstick on it, and, ma- and put makeup on it, and make that thing look as good as a salad. You can do it. But you know what? It's still a pig. I mean, it's still a pig. If they tell me, hey, next year, you know, VBS, you know, if we raise the most money, the pastor will kiss a pig. I don't care how much makeup, lipstick, whatever you put on it. Uh, that's still a pig. I ain't touching that thing. What's wrong with y'all? That's still a pig. You can't. You can dress up a pig, but it's still a pig. I mean, hello. It's the same concept. 
They got Lot's wife. The angel grabbed Lot and his wife, let her out. But notice what Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Right? Why are we remembering Lot's wife? Because she couldn't let things go. There was only one, there was only one stipulation to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. One, Brother Ryan, one stipulation. When we leave this city and we pass by these double gates and we start heading for that region, do not look back. Anybody ever heard this scripture? No man that puts his hand to the plow and looks is what? She was headed to the mountains. One rule, just one. Anybody remember the Garden of Eden? One rule. You got the whole garden to do. Just don't eat out of one section of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good. Just one. Don't eat that tree. Anybody know what happened? They ate the one tree. You got all of the mountains to reach. Just don't look back. No, I can't do it. I can't. He said, don't look back. No, no. honey, don't look back. Lot wasn't paying attention. When the children weren't paying attention, all of a sudden she got to a certain point. And it's something inside of her. I don't, I'm not going to say it was the devil or whoever, but something inside her just was inside of her. And she got to a point that even though she could see all ahead of her, she couldn't help it. Naturally, she just went. Right. I wonder how many people, and obviously we know she turned into a pillar of salt, and we'll talk about that next, next week or two weeks. But I wonder how many people have been going on their spiritual journey with Jesus. They've been going, they've been going. You know, God's given them a word of encouragement, a word of instruction. You know, don't eat of this tree or don't do this. Or, but but just, just simple things. And they're running, they're running, they're running. They're doing so good. But they come to some crossroads and the devil plants something in their mind or makes them remember some hurt, some past failure, something. Remember something. You know, they don't even remember Romans 8 that there's no more condemnation. They can't remember those scriptures. But something happens and all of a sudden they can't help it, but they go. Go look back to the lifestyle they used to have. They go back and look to the friends they used to hang out with. They go and look back at the places they used to go hang out at. They go and look back. You should have never looked back. So here's what I learned. Brother Larry, I'm going to ask you and Brother Randy to help me. I want both of you guys to go stand on, it doesn't matter which side, you can stand on either side. But on the same side, whichever side, you can go down there with him. Hold on to the rope like you're going to, with him, like you're on his team. Y'all are, y'all are a team. All right. Now, I hope I hope none of y'all actually gamble, but, you know, obviously because that's not good. And uh, it's a sin, actually. Uh, but that being said, uh, I'm pretty sure what I'm about to ask you, uh, you can make a pretty safe gam- bet on this gamble. If, if you don't, then you, have, you, have, you, have, you definitely never need to go to Vegas because you're going to lose all your money. Who's going to win this? Now, let's be real. Let's be real. I mean, I know dynamite comes small package, and I'm a buff man, but let's be real. Let's just be real. Now, here's what's going to happen. Let me show you all something. All right, count of three. Y'all going to pull. Don't pull me down, but just pull. This is embarrassing. I'm online. I'm live stream, y'all. Like, people watching me online. This is embarrassing. All right, well, count of three. We're going to pull. Now, watch what's going to happen. One, two, three. Pull. Pull me. No, don't. Come on now. Come on, guys. No, no, Jesus. No, Jesus. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't. You see what just happened? 
Because the devil's going to fight you to the point that you can try to fight with all your might, but he's going to pull you down unless you get reinforcements on your side. Greater is he that lives inside of me than he that lives in the world. Unless I have reinforcements, I'm going to lose this. Now, here's another thing I learned. Watch this, and we're getting ready to close. Let's do it again. Here's the problem. Here's where it gets salty. Ready? Count of three. One, two, three. Here's the problem. Even if I sit down on the job, you know what happens if I hold on to this rope too long? What's going to happen to my hands? You know what's going to happen? I'm going to get burnt. You know, what, you, know what, you know what happens in hell? People get burnt. I'll get a, what they call a rope burn. You know why? Because I held on too long. I didn't know when to let it go. I'm fighting a battle. I didn't know when to let it go. But here's what happens. See, in life, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So one more time. Here's where it gets true. Now, we got to have all the rope this time right here. Are you ready? Wait a minute. Lord, I need help today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what happens? I just said so, but you know what happens? The Lord sends reinforcements. Hey, Chris, come anchor me. <laughs> no, no, I just want you to stand here. You ain't going to do nothing. I just want you to stand here. I'm not going to make them actually pull you. Jamie, come help me, buddy. Now, here's what happens. We're not really going to pull, guys. We're just going to show the analogy. You're going to stand right behind it. Now, here's what happens. Now, I might still be in the front of this pack right here. I, I, might, I might still, listen, I might be the front of the pack. I might be the front of the pack. And I'm not going to pull because Chris had surgery. I might be the front of the pack. Remember what the Bible said? Don't look back. No man put it in the pack. But when I pray, Jesus, what's the first? That's a bad situation. The devil's got me in a bad situation. If I let go of if I don't let go of this rope, I'm gonna be burnt, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bloodied, I'm gonna be bruised, I'm gonna be battered. God, what am I gonna do? I can't do it. I keep pulling, I keep pulling against the grain. I can't I can't make it, I can't make it, I can't make it. But when I'm not looking, he sends reinforcements. Because what happens is while I'm standing here, the father dispatches the son, and then he sends the dunamis power, and he locks me in the back and he wraps it, and the Holy Spirit says, All right, boys, here's the deal. Now, son, don't look, don't don't put your hand at a plow and look back, son. Don't look back. But what the Holy Spirit does say, while you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, just keep praying, keep looking ahead, keep saying, God, I need you, God, I need you, I need you. Huh. But now, obviously, Chris just had surgery. But in reality, oh, I'd love for this to be my anchor if I'm in a tug of war. You know, you know how much might it's going to take to bring him all the way over there with them? A lot. See, I, I put my hand, God, I can't make it. God, I can't make it. I can't make it. But he can. God can. See, some of us are holding on. We're getting burnt. We're letting our hands get burnt by the ropes of life. We're holding on too long when sometimes we have to make a choice. Either A, let go of the rope. We used to say in the church, let go and let. Sometimes you got to let go of it. All right, boy, we're not going to really pull it. But if I, if I was in reality... In a real situation, if we were pulling, all I would have been like, okay, God, I can't do this. Well, guys, I know I can't beat y'all, but you know what? God's got a plan. Now, in reality, I can let go of that rope, Now, and we're not, but I could say, all right, boys, you take it from there. I guarantee you, no matter how strong these two are, it's going to be a whole lot harder to get those two all the way over there with them than it was when they just pulled me by myself. See, thank you, guys. You can be seated for a moment. Just Carol, if you make your way. Well, actually, Ben, you can make your way. Here's the reality. 
Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. She couldn't let go. She couldn't let go. No matter how hard she tried, she got out of the city, but no matter how far she got out of the city, she just couldn't let go. And we know the story. She turned into a pillar of Salt, and we're going to talk about it in two weeks. Salt is not in and of itself bad if it's used properly. Salt can be very beneficial. But too much salt can be deadly. You get stuck out in the ocean, you start dehydrating, you better not drink the salt water. Because after a while, it'll just make you get more dehydration. Over time, it will actually have a, a deadly effect on you because you're not supposed to take it in that way. But also, salt can have therapeutic purposes. We'll talk about it. Do you realize that there are over 14,000 documented things salt can do? 14,000 uses for salt. Y'all, I don't know who compiled up that list. They obviously didn't have a life to come up with 14,000 reasons what salt can do. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. So when I ask that question, are you a little salty? In two weeks, you're going to learn, I do want you to be a little salty, but I want you to be a different kind of salt than you think. I don't want you to be the kind of salty that's bitter and angry and frustrated and, and just nasty to people. I don't want you to have bad attitudes or be disgruntled or, or be one of those people that just can't let things go. No, I don't want you to be, I want you to be the salt of the earth. Because the Bible says if a salt loses its saltiness, it is no more good than to be thrown out and to be trampled under the feet of men. I want you to be the kind of salt that tenderizes things. Because when you have a tender heart, it makes things different. I want, to be a, I want you to be the kind of salt that heals things. Because certain times, putting salt in wounds can actually have a sore in your mouth. It's like you gargle with salt water. It helps bring healing properties. I want you to be someone who brings healing to people. I want you to be salt that enhances flavor. And when you cook it, it enhances flavor. I want us to be people of God that we have the kind of saltiness. We walk in here that we create like chefs. We create aromas of worship that would be pleasing unto the Lord. We create an enhancement of worship in the building. I want you to be a little salty. I want you to be the kind of salt that influences. When you put something in salt... It naturally takes on the properties because salt will affect it because it makes a... If you take a piece of meat and you put salt on it, it's going to have salt taste to, to it because you put... It affects everything. I want you to be people that you go out in the world and you affect people for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I want you to be a little salty, but it depends on what kind of salt you are. There's 14,000 versions of salt or ways to use salt. If I could leave you with this, this is what I'm going to leave you with, and then we're going we're gonna to sing this closing song and, and, and pray together. There are some of us in our lives who haven't let go of some things. We're still holding on to things that we should have let go a long time ago. Some of us are those proverbial pregnant ladies. We come to church. We get here. We find our seat, and we plop down and we dare somebody to move us the getting down is not the problem it's the getting up that's the problem it takes effort for a pregnant woman to get up 
after she's sitting down. Can I tell you that sometimes spiritually, it's easy to just sit down on God, sit down and worship, sit down in church, just sit down. But sometimes in life, the benefit of getting up, even though it's a struggle, the benefit of forcing myself to get up is better than still sitting than being seated down. Because you know what I learned about, about pregnancy? Because once the baby comes, you know what happens, mamas? You forget all the sickness you had. You forget all the cravings you had. You forget all the pain you you forget, it's like and immediately, instantly, it's all different because when you hold that baby, they light up the room with their smile or their twinkle of their eye. When you hold that, you forgot all what it took to have them because now that bundle of joy is in your hand. Sometimes I think as the church of God, not Cleveland, Tennessee, but universally, people would make an effort. They would stand. They would sing. They would worship. They would give glory and honor. They'd make an effort for Jesus. They'll forget about all their other problems, pain, and situations because what God ends up doing in the long term and what they, He produces out of them will be so beautiful they'll forget all that other stuff because they made an effort for Him. So here's what we're going to do. There should be a song in there, Madison says, benediction song. I'm going to have you stand. We're going to sing this song as our prayer. I'm not going to have you come up and pray today. We're just going to sing this as our prayer. Miss Sherry, I don't know where your mic's at. You have it okay. We're going to sing this song again. It is literally taken right out of the Bible. This is the Aaronic Covenant. It's right out of the Bible. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn His face toward you. I know this wasn't a shouting, speaking in tongues, running the aisles, service. But I pray that somebody heard what this pastor was really trying to convey. We have got to understand we cannot keep looking back. We cannot keep getting lured as lulled to sleep by all these things. We've got to sometimes make an effort to worship you, make an effort to praise you, make an effort to glorify you, make an effort to, to come to church. We've got to put effort into it. And God, sometimes we've got to let some things go. If we hold on too long. It's going to hurt us. It's going to become uh, toxicity to us. And we're going to, Lord, end up being venomous and, and poisonous to people around us. God, I pray today we don't become poisonous to the kingdom of God. We don't become poisonous to the advancement of God's kingdom. But, God, we would become people of God that would hunger and thirst after righteousness and be filled and would want to have a relationship with you. God, I pray today you would let us leave this place knowing, God, we have got to have a different perspective, a different outlook. We've got to want more of you. We've got to desire to have more of you we need you God we need you and God when we sing words like amen we're saying so be it God let it be done let it be done Jesus name we pray amen now I have felt for the last couple weeks the Lord has been dealing with me 
about something. I told the band this the other night. No, the pastor did not fall off his rocker and think that he couldn't learn a new song. But moving forward, every Sunday, at least Sunday morning, you'll hear this song sung every Sunday at the end of service that we just sang. Because that is my prayer for you. The Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his count. Amen. So be it. But the reason I want all of us to sing it every Sunday together is for this reason. Because I also believe in the power of words. I believe that when you sing it, it will take heart to you. It won't just be me. It will also take residency inside of you. And every week after we sing this song, I told them this is going to be what we're going to say every time together as a church body. You're not going to hear me pray it every time. We're going to pray it together. Now I'll finish praying the rest of the prayer. We're going to sing that song every time to bless you and keep you. And when it's all said and done, I'll bring it down like we just did. And this screen will come up every Sunday. This is going to be the prayer for us this whole week. This is what I pray for you, but this is what I also hope you pray for each other and you pray for your pastor. This is what I hope you pray. Let's say it together. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's what I want you to do this week. Let the words of our mouth, God, the meditations of our heart be acceptable. Let it be pleasing to you, Lord. And the rock and redeemer. Father, I pray today as we get ready to leave this place, that your spirit would go before us and you would guide us and keep us. We will forever praise you. And as you remain in a spirit of prayer, I'm going to ask Brother Randy to pray our benedictory prayer. And immediately following you are free to be dismissed. I love you. God bless you. Amen. Right, Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before We pray that you will take these words that have been given to us, Lord, use them in our hearts. Help us to carry this word forward that we can do your work. We ask in Jesus' holy name.